No, no, no. She's not a medical doctor, but she can sure cure your tax problems or your financial woes. She's the how-to girl. It's the Dr. Friday Show. If you have a question for Dr. Friday, call her now, 737-WWTN. That's 737-9986. So here's your host, financial counselor and tax consultant, Dr. Friday. G'day, I'm Dr. Friday, and the doctor is in the house. We are here talking to you live, so if you've got questions, all you have to do is pick up the phone, 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986, taking your calls, um, talking about taxes. I'm an enrolled agent licensed with the Internal Revenue Service to do taxes and representation, which is pretty much what I do. So that means if you've got questions, maybe you're getting ready to finish up those tax returns. I know I'm working most of the weekend. We have a 10-15, October 15th deadline um, of filing the, your taxes, assuming that you filed an extension. If you did not file an extension, then you are late. But if you did, then you have until 10-15 to file the actual paperwork. Now, remember, that does not and has not extended the amount due. So you could or will be getting hit with a penalty if you owe additional funds, if you've waited to the last minute. You also need to pay into your SEP if that's one of the reasons many people delay is because they have an extra time to pay into their self-employed retirement programs. Uh, So remember that deposit has to be done on or before 10-15. So what's happening uh, new in uh, the world of uh, taxes and things? One of the newest things, there was a new program introduced by Tennessee Department of Revenue. The state of Tennessee has a new grant program available to reimburse small business and nonprofit organizations up to $30,000 in costs related to COVID. As recipients of the funds under the Tennessee Business Relief Program, you can apply for this under 10 Care Act. Point, uh, period tn.gov slash serg um, if you need more information i can uh, send you a link on that all applications have to be in before december 29th 2020 this is supposed to help cover costs to create social distancing measures purchasing personal protection equipment for employees or customers contactless um, equipment, payroll expenses, and mortgage interest. So they are trying, guys, to help take the money that was given to them from the federal government, uh, you know, during all of the CARES Act and moving that back through to the small business owner. So if you are still barely making ends meet, there is a criteria on this one. They are matching May through August of 2019 to May and August of 2020 to see if you have been affected by the COVID. If you have not been affected, um, if you're still making money, still profiting, doesn't mean you can't have a profit, just means you're not making the same amount of profits, um, then you may uh, be able to apply. My suggestion is everybody should apply. If it doesn't work, well, then fine. But most small businesses are having to do whatever it takes to survive. So again, if you are a small business owner or uh, working with a nonprofit, there is a up to $30,000 grant available, which means that you will not be paying that back. It is a grant. Okay. And then the next thing is PPP money. Now I know there's no more PPP coming out yet. There could be some more coming out in the future, but the ones that receive PPP, remember we have to um, apply for forgiveness by December 31st, 20. 20, there is a lot of mixed signals because um, it seems like to me 
Um, I've applied for forgiveness for about four of our clients so far, and we probably have about 60 that got PPP money. Um, and most of them, the banks aren't ready yet, but we are getting some information. So you want to check back with your bank. It looks like they may be moving forward. And then I'm told it could take 30 to 60 days for them to be able to process uh, the forgiveness. Now there is a simple form. If you received less than $50,000, um, there is a simple form that you can fill out. That's supposed to be making the process a bit faster, a bit easier. Um, this all came out basically back in, uh, June, I believe, but the newsletter I'm reading is basically from October. I just received it the other day. Uh, so just again, putting it on the calendar, right? Very, very important. If you have something, um, if you've received PPP money, you don't want to wait and then end up making that alone. You want to get forgiveness if it is all possible. So again, making sure that works for you. If you have questions, guys, you can call the show live right now, 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. We have some news on the 2020 tax return. You know how charitable contributions, everyone's like, well, why should I bother giving if I don't have it? Blah, blah, blah. Well, the reason we give isn't for the tax deduction, but sometimes there are tax advantages to giving. Well, on the 1040, straight out, not part of your itemization like we've always had on the Schedule A, or at least for most years, this is going to be um, box 10B, 10 as uh, B as in boy, uh, charitable contribution up to $300 that you'll be able to take as a deduction. So again, that's going to be uh, something new on the 1040 for 2020. Uh, that that will help people a little bit. Uh, if you give to charity, you'll be able to claim up to $300 um, and you'll still get 100% of your standard deduction um, along with that. So that might be something interesting, especially if you... Um, you know, want, have something special you want to give to or whatever that might help you. Uh, so that's one of the new things coming out. We haven't received all of the updates for 2020. They are working on those forms, but you know how that is. Sometimes things are changing and sometimes they end up changing them up until the last minute. So that's why I'm trying to preempt. And again, if you are receiving required minimum distributions, which means that you are 70 up to 72 years old or anyone after that, depending on uh, when it came into play, required minimum distributions, you can do a qualified charitable deduction, which means you can take all of your RMD or your required minimum distributions, give it to charity, and then it becomes tax-free money to you. It's, it's a great strategy. Seriously, if you are a person that normally gives or ties to your church anyways, give up to that dollar amount through your RMD or your required minimum distribution is a wonderful way to reduce your taxes. There's nothing wrong with doing tax planning at the same time of giving to charity. So um, if you need more, you should talk to your financial planner on that. But again, if you are receiving qualified or required minimum distributions, you need to talk to them about your qualified charitable deduction Um they work hand in hand and they're a wonderful situation. So if you've got questions, you can join the show 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. I'm an enrolled agent licensed with the Internal Revenue Service to do taxes and representation, which basically means that I deal with people with IRS issues. You know, right now may not be the best time in your life. Maybe you're having a hard time with the whole COVID and everything, but it may be a great time to consider making a deal 
with the Internal Revenue Service. They look at your current situation. They're not judging you on your past. They're not judging you on what they predict your future is going to be. They are looking at your current information when they're making a deal with you. So in some cases, it may be a wonderful time to consider making a deal with the government. So if that's something you want to do, that's what I do as an enrolled agent. And maybe you just need to get caught up on taxes because remember, we can't make any kind of deal. We can't do anything unless we can get you A, into compliance, which means filing all of the proper paperwork to get you up to date. B, keeping you in compliance, right? Because if you, you know, bottom line is if you make a deal and the IRS, and we just had one, we made a deal with someone, they owed, oh, somewhere around $70,000, $80,000, and they ended up paying about $7,500. Um, and this individual, but this person's going to get themselves back in trouble if they don't keep making their quarterly estimates. As a self-employed person, we have to continuously pay our quarterlies. And if you do not pay those or you do not stay in compliance, so when you file your taxes at the end of the year, they can take and reverse that offer and compromise. They can reverse and say, you know what? You didn't live up to your end of the deal. So, you know, we're going to basically turn back the clock charge you penalties and interest and add back the total dollar amount that you owed us because you said you were going to make this deal and you did not do it. So, you know, it's not worth it. You have to stay in compliance for five years. You have to file your taxes on time. You have to make all your quarterly estimates. It's a wonderful deal to be made, but it's only as good as the person that's making it if they can continue to make I mean, a lot of times as entrepreneurs, guys, I've been in your shoes. I'm in your shoes. Um, and, you know, it's not always easy to have to give your share. I always think of them more as a partner in my business, even though they're very silent unless they uh, want money, but a partner in my business. And they're going to get 25 to 30 percent of my profits. It's that simple. And that money needs to be set aside in a separate account so that way I'm not operating on it and they get to take their share. It's just the fact of doing business. There are certain ways around some of it. If you reinvest it into possibly equipment, you might be able to accelerate the depreciation and, and reduce some of the taxes for that current year. But all in all, you know, you're not going to be Donald Trump and you're not going to pay $750 and still make a livable wage unless you want to have $400 million worth of debt due to somebody else. That's the only way I can see that happening. All right, let's go to the phone and talk to Linda in Franklin. Yes. Hey, um, Linda, thank you thank for calling. Thank you. I have a question. I, I've lived in my home 20 years. <clears throat> now, if I sell my home to go to assisted living or not reinvest in real estate, do I have a capital gain? That's a wonderful question. So here's the way it works, Linda. If you, um, I don't know how much you paid for your home, but just for the sake of radio, let's say you purchased it $100,000 just for the sake of this conversation, and then you sell it for $350,000, you would pay zero. So you have a markup of $250,000 above whatever you paid for it. That would be free money. You do not have to reinvest. You don't have to do anything. If you sell it for more than that, then everything above that dollar amount would become capital gains. Does that make sense? Okay. If if I paid three fifty and now they're selling for seven hundred, help me. Right. So you would you would pay capital gains on 
So we have 250,000 of it that would be zero, right? So that brings you up to 600,000. So theoretically, you would have 100,000 you might have to pay capital gains on. Thank you so much. No problem, sweetheart. Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right, let's go ahead and hit Milton. I bet this is my Milton. I am he. Ah, that's my boy, Milton. <laughs> Hi, Dr. Ryder, how are you? I normally know. How you doing, sweetie? I am well. I want to ask you about that $300 deduction that you talked yep. about for donations, because I've been donating, and I don't even ask for receipts because I never have enough at the I end know. of the year. But just hearing what you just said now, and in order to qualify for the 300 do I need to get receipts to show documentation for that? Yes. I mean, because I'm your tax person, so I'm going right. to say yes. I want to see receipts uh, for it or at least checks written to a nonprofit to be able to justify those deductions. Okay. Let me ask you this. If it's, if it's, if it's things like I'm donating, let's say, to Goodwill or charity or whatever, stuff like that, do I need to get receipts for that? Yes. Okay. Anything okay. that we're going to use that values it to the $300. Okay, okay. Well, that, that's what I need to know. I, I heard you a couple of weeks ago talking about the $300 deduction, and mm -hmm. I wondered then, I said, wonder, do it, is that automatic and just, you know, cut straight, or do I need documentation? So I'm glad I'm getting the chance to ask you directly for that, about, about well. that. I appreciate you listening and I appreciate you asking because there's probably a lot of people thinking, oh, I'm just going to throw 300 in there and just assume. But, you know, they could audit or review that information and we don't want to be caught without having the documentation, right? All right. I think I lost Milton. Um, let's go really quick to Rita. Rita in Coffee County. Uh, yes, Dr. Fry. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I have... Um received from the Internal Revenue a letter that tells me that I pay, I have overpaid in 2019. Okay. Uh, I have approximately the same income uh, within two or three hundred dollars as in 2018. Nice. Uh-huh. Okay. I and you paid the same amount in both years? I, I paid close to the same amount in both years. So and the only big difference would be is every year they give us a cost of living increase on our standard deduction. And I'm assuming you're just taking a standard deduction. Um, that's yes. an assumption. Uh, yes. But um, that would be part of it it's not the it's not going to be a big savings you know you're talking 12 percent on 400 dollars. so what is that it's pretty minimal do you know what the difference is uh, well that's about 40 okay i my i have income uh from a k1 i file it on schedule e uh-huh uh i have a six Nineteen in uh, nineteen, I had sixteen hundred dollars of um, interest. Okay. And twenty five thousand in Social Security. Okay, so um, my guess is, without looking at the two returns, you have the uh, depending on how much you said there was a slight difference. Well, it's possible because that K one income could make your Social Security taxable if it's high enough, right? Well, um, well, yes, and that, and that's what I that's what I. The difference is is, okay. is what they're telling me, that the difference is 
the Social Security. Right. Uh, and they're not charging me anything for Social Security. Well, and they're probably the basically I saying you didn't earn. Did you earn more before the Social Security? Did you earn more than twenty-five thousand uh, dollars? Yes. I, well, I didn't earn it. I, I get it through a K one investments. Yes, I should have said yes. did your investments, but the K one and the interest added up to more than twenty-five k. Yes. Okay. And just out of curiosity, in eighteen, did it add up to more than twenty-five k? Yes, it was it, okay. in uh, 19, it was 30,037 uh, 30, plus the 1,600 interest, uh -huh. and 18, it was 30,116 plus 1,383 in interest. Well, you're barely making it. So they're, they're basically claiming that you have a no... Um, your Social Security is not being taxable. Are you single or married? I'm single. Because I'm trying to look it up real quick in 2020. Because your Social Security, I mean, again, they have, um, let's see here, update. You know, that changes a little bit every year on how much they make taxable because of the cost of living, right? Um, right. And your Social Security may or may not have been up. Who knows? Well, um, Social Security was 25 uh, 242 in 19, 24, 552 in 18. Eight. So, so you I, must have I barely had it taxable in 18, and in 19, it looks like it's not being taxable at all. Well, then I, I need to file. You don't need to file anything. If they've sent you well, a letter saying well, that it, they're changing your tax return, then they're going to basically change it for you, and then they'll send well, you back it, the money. In eight, eighteen, in eighteen, then I need to file a um, file a, uh, an amended Amendment. return because they're giving. They have sent me seventeen hundred dollars back. Yeah, for nineteen. So eighteen should I? Should it not be the same? It should be. I would actually, um, you know, either when you're not on the radio, but I would definitely have someone do a comparison, double check it, make sure that the math on the IRS side is correct. And if it is for 19, then 18 sounds like it should be amended because somehow they missed that adjustment. Okay. You're, you're saying that I have miscalculated 19. Well, I'm say if 19, if the IRS has caught the mistake, and this time they've caught it possibly, right? They didn't catch it in 18. I'm saying you need to reevaluate to make sure first that the IRS information is correct, that you do not owe that tax, and that they will refund the 1700. But if 19 and 18 are that similar, you'd seem like they'd both be close enough where there should be only a few dollar difference, not 1700 dollars. That's a very that, large difference. That, that's exactly what I'm saying, and the same for 17 and 16. Right. Well, you can only go back 17, 18, and 19 at this point. They will not refund 16. Okay. So right. if there is a mistake, you can, you can only do 17, 18, and 19 at the moment. So you're going to – but I would definitely suggest getting on that relatively quickly so that that's a, that's quite a bit of difference. If, it, if we're talking 70 or $80, that's one thing. But when we're talking hundreds of dollars, that's exactly. a whole different conversation. Exactly. And, and I'm scared to death to, to spend $1,700 that they've told me that, that, that they owe me. Well, 
If you, if you want, you can call my office on Monday and we can go through the numbers legitimately over the phone while the software is open. And Rita, we can make sure that that information is right, if you like. Okay. Okay. All right. And I'll okay. give you my could phone I, number at the could break. I, could I have your uh, office yes. number? It's 615-367-0819. Uh, Six one five three six seven zero eight yes one nine okay thank you so much no problem thank you all right we have to take a quick break guys Joe and Daniel if you don't mind please hold through the break and when we come back I'll get right to your phone calls and hopefully give you the answers you need we'll be right back with the Doctor Friday show. Alrighty, we are back here live in studio. 615-737-9986 is the number to call. And we're going to go right to the phone lines. Hopefully, Joe, uh, did you wait through the break? Yeah, hello. Thank you, thank Joe, thank you. so much. Yes, what can I do for you? Yeah, I was just talking about a, a simple refund that we put in for in February. And it's uh, just the W-2s. Nothing complicated. And, you know, we... Still haven't received that a refund, and it's been since February. And uh, we checked their Did website; you... it says that's still processed. I just wanted to get your take on sure. why would it take so long for something like that? Yeah, well, we've got several cases that way, Joe. Did you mail the return, or did you e-file it? We mailed it. Okay, but we did so... contact. We they, we know they have it. They do have right. It. I've got two and cases I, the same way where the clients decided that they wanted to mail them and they mailed them. Mine were actually later than yours. They mailed them in May. Still no response. I mean, we know on the website it says we have we've received your return and we're still processing. That's all it says. Right. It doesn't say that they're in the middle of an audit or that they're being reviewed or anything. We do know that the IRS with the mail room was closed down, but only for like April and May or something. They reopened, I think, in June. I mean, it was still like three months that they were behind. But um, in all honesty, Joe, I don't know what's taking so long to process paper returns this year. If it's just that there's that many people that file by paper and that they're not able to get them in the system as fast as they normally do. But we're talking five times longer than the normal, right? I mean, normally, you know, so uh, I don't have a good answer, but um, we have called a few times and the clients have called and they're just being told that they're being processed that, that this time there doesn't appear to be any kind of, you know, delay other than they're being processed. Well, that doesn't help a whole bunch. So all I can tell you is hold tight. It should eventually get there. Um, you know, they're saying that they're caught up in the mail room now. So, um, I'm, I'm winging it by saying that I don't think they're fully caught up. I don't think they have the number of personnel uh, to do by the stimulus checks is what slowed it down. I think so. I think they had to put a lot of people towards the phone lines for the stimulus. I think, you know, that, that they had to get those people to, I don't even know how they got all the information to submit the checks, but I think they had to divert some of the tax people into that division. And I just think that it's just delayed those normal taxpayers, individual situations. Okay. Well, thanks for your time. And I appreciate that. Hey, no problem. Thank you for the call. I appreciate you. All right. And why don't we go ahead and hit Daniel in Murfreesboro. Uh, Hi, Dr. Friday. Uh, Yes. uh, I uh, applied for, you know, the one-time emergency relief for the 10,000 and um, I only got a thousand. 
Um, okay. I'm a self, I'm a, I'm self-employed. I'm a single member LLC, so I'm the only employee of the mm-hmm. LLC. Um, I did not apply for the uh, the, the, the stimulus. But, yes, ma'am. Oh, so did you apply for the PPP? Yeah, uh, yeah I, I didn't do it because I was told that I would not qualify for it. I, I made a lot of money in uh, 2017 and 18, but in 2019, didn't make anything. And so uh, I, I apply. I was going to apply for it, and I was told that uh, by my CPA and my, uh, another financial advisor that uh, I wouldn't qualify for anything, so I didn't do it. But then I ran into somebody else that has the same situation as me, and he got a $60,000 loan. Well, there's a couple of different things. There's the SBA, uh, SBA loans, right, which uh, EDI uh, – whatever they call them, EDIL loans, um, and that's a possibility that – you could qualify for that. I don't know if you've actually applied for an actual loan. Have you? Uh, I didn't apply because I was told I, I wouldn't oh. qualify because uh, a single member LLC uh, uh, wouldn't qualify because I didn't have any employees. I said, well, right. And, the, and in the beginning, I will say your CPA was right. Everything had to do with W-2s, 941s and all that. But then they opened it up to the self-employed, which is where you fall in. Right. So whatever your profit was in 2019, they would have given you 2.5 percent of that. Um, if there was no profit in that year, doesn't mean you wouldn't have qualified for the loans. And then in Tennessee, we now, well, you missed out on one, but there's now another one out there right this second that I'm talking about, which is under the CARES Act, where you can actually apply and get a grant up to $30,000. Now, you know, at the moment, we can't unfortunately go backwards, but I am telling, I mean, I will tell you, Daniel, we put everybody through every one of these. If we got rejections, we got rejections, right? Some people, the their credit, because some of the loans, uh, the SBA loan does require credit, you know, checks, and some of the people weren't able to do it, but didn't mean we didn't try. And I would suggest you trying under the Tennessee Business Relief Program, see if there's any grants out there for you. What does it hurt? Worst thing they can tell you is no. Oh, okay. Well, I, I guess I need to get in uh, um in, in contact with somebody that knows better than my advisor. So, um, well, I, you can I give my so. office a, clo- a call. I mean, if you want to just get help, I will definitely lead you in the direction of what these are and we can take it from there because I mean, we deal with small businesses own- owners, you know, 200 of them every single day, it feels like, but no, that, you know, we have a monthly bookkeeping service and everything. So all I'm saying is if we don't ask, we're never going to know the answer. And so, um, we're, we're trying because most of my business owners are are barely making it. They're struggling. It's not the same as it was prior to COVID. So we need to get as much help as we can for these guys. Okay. What's your phone number? One more time. I'll write it down. Sure. My, my direct line is 615-367-0819. Thank you, ma'am. No problem. Thank you. All righty. And let's see here if we can get, uh, is it Martina in Nashville? Yes, it is. Hello, sweetheart. What can I do for you? Well, I got a question about the CARE Act. Okay. So my husband worked for a company about 10 years ago, and he has Mm -hmm. a pension plan with them. The company got borrowed out, and the new company is offering him uh, either to roll it over into an IRA or to take the lump sum. Well, he's been unemployed for a while, and so he wants to take it out. 
And so I've been reading up on the CARE Act where he might have not have to pay the uh, 10% penalty because he's not 59 and a half yet. Right. So, so I don't if know he's if been affected, what... if he was affected by the COVID, which it sounds like he might have been or unable to get work because of the COVID situation, you can take up to $100,000 out without the penalty and you can spread the payments over three years. Okay. Um, so he got uh, unemployed before COVID, but because of COVID, he cannot find a job. Right. So, so he's been totally affected. Him? That's legitimate reason why he needs to borrow. Now, I'm not your financial planner. I'm pretty sure some of them would not agree with me, but to survive, I have no problem with him taking that money out. He won't pay the early withdrawal penalty and he will have to pay the tax and he could spread that tax over three years. Okay. And how do you take advantage of it? Because he called the company that sent him all the paperwork and they Mm -hmm. said they cannot give him any information. He would have to call his tax advisor. That's why I'm calling you. uh, Right. So they basically won't give him any advice. So when you file your taxes, there is an an attachment to the 1099-Rs that we're going to be filing on the tax forms. It's going to ask, was this given to you under the, you know, because of COVID? And you're going to have a questionnaire and then you're going to elect at that time to either spread it over three years or pay the tax in that year. Gotcha. Great. I really appreciate that. And no you're going to be my to-go girl. I'm going to okay. get back with you when the text time comes. No problem. I appreciate you listening. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, we've got Steve, Carol, and Lynn on the line. It looks like I'm past my second break, so if you guys don't mind, we're going to take a quick break. That way I'll have a good 15 minutes to chit-chat. If you want to join the show, 615-737-9986, and we're going to be right back. live on radio and if you have a question 615-737-9986 615-737-9986 and let's go right to steve in manchester hey dr friday hey, hey sweetie friday. i really appreciate your show uh i'm just gonna lay the foundation here i have uh i'm calling about capital gains that'll be due on a sale of some property that i have my house sits on 10 acres. I've been in it for 30 years. Uh, I am married. Uh, but since then, the property has kind of become commercial. It's been, it's become commercial property. So I'm going to, my 10 acre, uh, house, I'm going to, or the 10 acre track with a house on it. I'm going to sell five acres of it. That sale will probably be $750,000. Mm-hmm. I can't use any of my one-time uh, capital gain. Uh, Do you have any whatever. plans of selling the other five acres within the next year or two? I, I do have a plan of selling the other five acres, but it probably would be four or five years. Okay. So theoretically, your homestead, the 10 acres plus your home, you're dividing into two properties you're subdividing i guess you would say if you were to do that and do it all within two years you can extend that and take that 500 against the total sale you may not make a difference in all honesty i don't know how your property's sitting if you're selling like the frontage and that's all commercial and the back part where you're still living and the five acres are not or 
if you're going to need the 500 anyways, but there's, since there's only one house, you can't, you know, you can't say I lived in this house and you're selling it without. So long story short, total capital gains, long-term capital gains. And the only basis you could reevaluate when you purchased the home, that land had, had a value. Right. I mean, there was a value to it. You right, could right. take and put a couple thousand. I don't know. So let's say you paid a hundred thousand for the land and I'm making a wild guess, nothing to do with reality. Uh, so each acre was worth $10,000. You could apply the, you know, 50,000 against the 750 because there is a basis to those, that land. I don't know how much it was though. Right. And, and you're actually about on the on the number because it's okay. been so long ago when I bought it. So it right. would really be seven hundred fifty thousand minus the fifty thousand, and you pay capital gains on seven hundred thousand. Correct, and just keep in mind that's about twenty four percent tax because you're going to get hit with the twenty plus the three point nine three point eight, so twenty three point eight percent tax on anything over two hundred. Ooh we okay yeah. Uh, yeah now i do have a capital loss on another track of land that i sold this That's year wonderful so, so that use it that will uh, <laughs> use it 100 well. okay. you can use all of that against this yes okay all right well thank you very much i think that no answers. worries oh, I, I, well wait one more question yeah. uh sure. if i were hi- hypothetically to do this today uh-huh. with the capital gains tax i mean could i wait till you know march before i paid the estimated capital gains. So within theory, you usually, I try to get my clients to pay them within 90 days of the sale. But as long as you paid 110% of what you owed the year before, you wouldn't actually owe it until April the 15th. Okay. Okay. Does that make sense? So as long as, you know, because whatever you normally have, you have the same dollar amount probably every year due unless you have a big sale or something that happens. So um, you probably be pretty safe with a minimal amount if no estimate until the March or when you get ready to file the tax return itself. Okay. Like I paid about 12,000 last year in taxes. I I could either choose to pay 12,000 or, or I could just overestimate it. Not yeah. Send in 15 and that way, then the rest of it, that way you don't have to worry about a penalty. You just hate penalties. Right, right. Okay, thank you very much. Cool. Thanks, Steve. All right, let's see. We Carol from Mount Juliet has hung in there. Carol, are you with me? Yes, I am. Awesome. Um, I appreciate that. Well, thanks for taking my call. Um, I have a two-part question. Okay. Um, a surviving spouse has uh, passed away earlier this summer. And her house was sold a few months later. Okay, the first question is, will will there need to be any taxes paid on the sale of the house? And the second part is, the proceeds from the sale of the house will be divided among her uh, beneficiaries, but not until 2021. Um, My second question on that, will her beneficiaries need to pay any taxes uh, from the proceeds they get uh, for this year or in 2021. Okay, so let's start with the first. So this um, uh, a parent passed away. Let's I have no idea. A parent passed away, left their home to their estate, and at this point, let's just use a number. I like to throw numbers around. Let's say the house was worth a hundred thousand dollars at the time that that person passed away, and you sold it for a hundred thousand dollars. There would be a zero tax situation for the beneficiaries. Okay. Okay, so it doesn't make it now if the money is sitting in an account that is earning interest, then there would be some tax on the interest earned on that money since it's going to be held in the estate until 2021. Okay. 
I would basically say don't put in an account that earns interest. That way you don't even have to worry about filing any kind of tax on it. That's my personal opinion, but that's either way. Um, And so the house itself is uh, valued at the price that it happens at the time of passing. If you sell it for roughly the same dollar amount, then you're going to have zero tax. Beneficiaries will have zero tax on that particular part of the estate. Okay. But wonder if the house sold for more than um, what the... With the house. Well, it sounds like she passed away within months of the house sale. Yeah, um, she passed away uh, 61 days before the house was sold. So, so it, it really, I mean, that would, the value of the home within 90 days of someone's passing, you know what I'm saying? So it would not likely be, it would have been basically the same value as it was when she passed away. Oh, unless okay. somebody so went in there and did improvements. Okay, so your first one, uh, $100,000 example is the value or the value the day that, that she the died. house was she died oh, when she great. passed away sorry okay yeah. and and okay so within that 61 uh, days if the value hadn't gone up then there's no tax but if the money is sitting in a uh, t- uh, interest-bearing account we would have to pay um, taxes on the interest Exactly. And it may not be that much, especially what they're paying right this second on interest. But yeah. uh, normally, uh, normally when I'm dealing with estates, I usually tell them not to put them in interest bearing accounts because it just continuously leads to other tax questions. Okay. Um, you know, so just keeping it there and then doing the distributions. Well, in a few months, it sounds like since it's 2021, we'll be here soon. Yeah. Well, for some reason, we have to leave the money. Um, uh, we have to leave the money where it's at for four months. Okay, and that's probably to see if there's anybody that she owes money to. I'm sorry? That's probably to make sure she does, to finalize her estate to make sure all the settlements of her bills are done. Probably, okay. Well, okay, this is good news. Thank you very much. No problem. All right, and really quick, let's hit Lynn. She's been waiting very patiently. Yes, I'll I'll make this quick. I just have a question here. Got a little little advice that didn't help me out. The parent had been a wife file separate returns. Tuck some of the kids on each one of them. Seemed like a good idea. But I need to have it done correctly with both of them together, Mary filing jointly. What is the uh, process for that? You uh, just file an amended return. You can't do it the opposite way, meaning if you file jointly, you can't separate. But if you filed separately, right. you can join. So just do so a 1040 X. About single. Is that, is, that a pro- is that a problem? Well, that's file even, single? well, you need to correct it obviously. And you change that instead of being single, you want to go to married filing jointly. And it's not so much as going to change like the standard deduction or anything, but some things are allowed as a single person that might not have been allowed if you were married filing separately. Or in this case, you're just basically saying we want to be married filing jointly. Yeah, I was trying to do it myself. And what confused me is so I do one 1040X for her and one for me, or just do one with both of us on there. And then It's a great question. You are going to have to do one 1040X for each of you, basically zeroing out both of them showing filed jointly. And then that way the same numbers are going to come into the same number. Does that make sense? So when you do the 1040X, you're going to go from single to married filing jointly. And you're going to bring in her information into that tax return. I'm just saying making you first on the tax return, her second. Um, and that then would amend her tax return at the same time. So just really so, 1040X then? Yes, 1040X. Sorry, 1040X okay, okay. with the merged information. <laughs> and then you're attached behind it a full 1040 gotcha. along with any other schedules. 
and just mail mail that in my do I have to mail my old returns too with it? Um, no, old returns they already have. You're gonna mail a new return. You know, the one that's basically showing it as a consolidated or joint. Just the 1040x with the of course with the return and the 1040x. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I thought. Okay. Thank you very much. You're good. No problem. All right. Why don't we take our last break here, and then when we come back, we will take a few more calls. If you want to join the show, 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986, and we're going to be right back. We are back here live in studio. If you had any questions, we got a few minutes left on the clock, 615-737-9986. But to recap a few of the things that we need to make sure we do this week, most importantly, for anyone that hasn't filed your 2019 tax return, remember it is due October 15th, which is next Wednesday. So time is flying when it comes to those kind of things. Also, you want to make sure that if you're a business owner, just as the gentleman had called earlier, don't let any of these grants or um, money go through. There was another one that was through Tennessee Department of Revenue that ended at the end of uh, August, I believe. Um, many people were able to do things with. You need to be able to track and deal with this information. So if you need help, you can give our office a call or just go to TINTAP um, or tncareact.tn.gov. If you have questions on that particular one, don't forget if you are, um, you know, PPP money, we have to do something before the end of the year. Very, very important. So we want to make sure that you have that covered. So those are some of the important things. And don't forget, I, I keep bringing in, but the $300 for charity. Uh, many times people have, uh, Melton brought up a great point, which was a lot of people have stopped tracking their charity because itemizing is almost impossible. Uh, so getting something itemized that you don't do it anymore, you don't track it. Well, now you need to at least track up to $300. You need to have proof, uh, my opinion, because you never know when Uncle Sam might decide they're going to ask a question about that. So make sure that you're dealing with it and that you're tracking it. If you have some questions and you don't want to really deal with calling a radio show, which I totally can understand, not everybody is brave enough to do that, um, you know, it's pretty easy. You can email the question to Friday at drfriday.com, Friday like the day of the week at drfriday.com is the easiest way to get that taken care of. Um, again, you know, if, if you haven't paid your taxes and you're like, you know what? If I don't file, they'll never know I don't owe it. Well, A, that's kind of silly to assume. The government will eventually find out. Now, I know some people are sitting there saying, well, I haven't filed in 20 years and they don't know who. I agree. There are always somebody out there, but I'm also one of those people that if I pay something a day late, I feel like they're calling me. So, you know, not everyone gets away with it. File make a deal with the government or take care of making a payment plan. They have a lot of those online. You don't have to deal with the phone system, you know, make as best as you can the payments that you can in the right direction. That's the important part of that conversation. You do not want to just wing it. In my opinion, you don't want to wait and do something where you can't uh, figure out later and you don't want liens and levies because it's always happens to come up when you're finally getting back on your feet and then the next thing you know, you get this love letter from the IRS or the Internal Revenue Service basically saying, 
we've uh, put a, a levy on you or I have a case right now where a gentleman is actually truly stuck in Colombia because during the time that he was there working, um, the IRS put a lien against his passport and therefore he's not able to travel. So he's not able at this point, his passport is needing to be renewed. He was not able to do that because he owes the IRS. And in his case, he doesn't actually owe as much as they say, but it doesn't make a difference. It takes a long time to get those situations taken care of. And so if you're in a situation and you travel for a living or, or maybe your business, I have people that work in the insurance and other businesses where their credit is very important. Um, and if the IRS decides they're going to put a lien or levy against you and you're like, well, I don't have anything, you have your credits and they can do that. And then that may not allow you to be able to represent certain companies or do what you need to do to make a living. So if, you know, if avoiding the IRS is your secret to success, go for it. But if you really want to resolve the issue, you want to be able to go out and buy a house, maybe get married, put your kids in college. All these things require either tax returns or dealing with the IRS to get things resolved. I can help you do that. You can call our office or you can check me out on the web. The easiest way, look on the, the website, which is easy, drfriday.com drfriday.com. There's a calendar on there and you can set up an appointment to come and see me. Um, and if you, if you don't see any dates available, you can certainly give us a call here at the office at 615-367-0819 on Monday. 615-367-0819 is the easiest number to reach me at. And again, if you, if you don't know where to start, if you haven't filed taxes or you just keep getting letters and you know what, you keep them all in a drawer because if you don't see them, you don't have to deal with it. You need to start someplace. We can help you. You can't change the past, but we can certainly change our future and how we're going to handle this. And if you're an entrepreneur and your answer is just to avoid sooner or later, that business that you're building is going to crumble because you cannot work or succeed with the IRS being on your back. Again, people, we are not Donald Trump. We are not uh, Warren Buffett, where they can have lawyers and people in the courts dealing with the IRS, stalling, delaying, or whatever. We're dealing with the real world, and the real world says we either have payment plans, offering compromises, non-collectible. That's our options. All right, so this is the end, 615-367-0819. That's my direct number, 615-367-0819. Or you can reach me at Friday at drfriday.com. I hope you guys have an awesome Saturday, and cop you later. <laughs>